This Westwards mini masterclass is a production of Westwards, the Western Sydney Literature Organisation. For more information on Westwards and what we do, please go to westwards.com.au. Hello and welcome to today's mini masterclass podcast with me, James Roy. I'm your host. I work for uh, Westwards and I'm the program manager at Blacktown and Blue Mountains. And today I'm talking to Lee Castledon. Now Lee is, uh, she's been the children's and YA librarian at Blacktown City Libraries for, you were telling me a minute ago, it was 12, 12 yeah, or 13 years? Yeah, about 12 or 13 years. Yeah, and so I said to you at the time when you told me this, you've, you've either, you either love it or you've, or you can't find your car keys, or you can't find <laughs> the exit. Which is it? Is uh, I absolutely love it. I'm, I'm, I've been here for that long. I've, but I've been working in uh, children's libraries for most of my life. My mother was a school teacher librarian, mm -hmm. so I've, I've developed a love of uh, literature, books, um, and stories uh, from my mother. So, but I've been here for twelve years because Blacktown is probably one of the best library services that I've come across uh, in the services, the programs, and the collections. And it's a big so, area, there's what, five, five library branches in this region, and it, it's a huge area, it covers a whole bunch of different demographics as well. We're not here to talk about librarianship, but what is it about kids and YA that you love? I mean, I just for anyone listening, I my hot desk at Blacktown Library at, uh, at uh, Max Webber is it backs on to, to Lee's, and um, when I'm when not hearing uh, heavy metal coming through her headphones, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to move books off my desk that she has left there with notes on to me saying, have you seen this one? You like recommending books. Is that is that a key? Is that part of it? I, I do. I do. Uh, but books excite me, and, and particularly picture books. Picture books are my absolute why, uh, why is that? passion. Um, the, the stories that come through them, the, often with the picture books that I'm showing you, it's the humour mm -hmm. that goes in them. I know that you have a, a really wicked sense of humour and you can appreciate my wicked sense of humour. So some of the uh, picture books that I show you really resonate. Some of them have a bit of a scatological edge too. <laughs> you just showed me, what is it, uh, the diddle that went dumb? Yeah, so that, that, and there's the terrible plop and, and books like that. <laughs> But what I'm actually here to talk, what I've asked Lee to talk about today is something that's, I suppose, linked to your love of books. You've already used the word, and that is story, because I know that we often, as we're talking about what we do, we talk about we're just telling stories, you know, and I think that's what writers need to keep in mind is we're just telling stories. But today we're talking about storytelling with a capital S. We're talking about the art of actual storytelling can you define it a bit better for the listener because um i i yeah tell, tell me what that means because oh sorry before i go any further because lee is you're you're an accredited storyteller with the australian storytelling guild of new south wales yes yeah so what what does that mean when we use storytelling in that capital s way what does that actually mean so um as you said i am accredited with the storytelling guild the storytelling guild is a wonderful um um, group of people who, who love stories. So storytelling is what happens when a story is told face to face, eye to eye, mm -hmm. mind to mind and heart to heart. Mm -hmm. So it's the connection that you get through, st through storytelling. Um, engaging your audience um, with the um, sharing experiences 
um, making the making the audience feel through the story that you're sharing with them. Is this a, this isn't a new thing, is it? Definitely not. Um, when did it first When did it first <laughs> kick off? I, I think I know the answer. When did When did we first start telling stories in this way? When civilization began. When we discovered fire. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So uh, storytelling was uh, was actually the first form of communication um, was by telling telling stories to each other. What was the point of a story back then? It wasn't was it it wasn't just entertainment though, right? No, it was um, means of sharing information mm-hmm. and spreading news sharing experiences of what could happen, what's out there in the world. Um, Explaining how things came about. I mean, yeah. if, only we, if only we had a storytelling culture in Australia, right? Of course we do. <laughs> it's only 60 or 70 or 80 or 120,000 years old. Yes. Um, those, those Dreamtime stories, what, I'm not asking you to speak as an Indigenous person because you're not, but mm. what, what's our understanding of what those stories, the purpose of those stories were? So they were the story, indigenous stories. I find them really difficult to tell. As a as a children's storyteller, um, often my stories are to entertain, right? Um, as well as to teach. Mm-hmm. But the um, Aboriginal stories are often uh, moralistic, mm-hmm. and they can often be really quite violent, right? Um, but that's because they're they're teaching, right? So they were told to teach children uh, what could happen consequences of their actions mm-hmm. um, but they could often be quite violent and quite dark and they're also quite carefully curated by the community aren't they they're definitely for... I don't I don't find them easy to tell right we do have we do have some that, that we do use with the but I actually have them in a felt board right with the with the children's story has there been a bit of resurgence in storytelling because I haven't probably haven't been paying attention but it just feels to me like because I grew up in a, a fairly conservative Christian home, and so story was very much a part of that. You know, the part way into the church service every week, there was a children's section, and all the kids would pour down the front of the church, and then somebody would tell a story. But it feels now that there's with things like the storytelling guild and so forth that face-to-face storytelling is once again really getting a resurgence. Mm-hmm. What what was going on with those quiet years in between, or were they? Did I just not see it? I think you just didn't see it. Maybe um, <laughs> um, there has been a, there has been a great resurgence more with adults. So um, I've always seen it because I've specialised in children's stories. So for me, it's always been there. But for adults, I think they moved away from it. Um, maybe because of uh, so much media. Maybe so much. Um, Movies and gaming yeah. and so story's still there. It's just the form be. has changed a bit. Could be, yeah. But there's there's always um, so in, that re- in recent years there's been more of a resurgence of it with uh, things like the moth. Mm-hmm. So uh, people sharing personal stories, which I think you put me on to. Actually, I hadn't. I'd never heard of this until you told me about it. Yeah. M- now I'm a bit addicted to it. Yeah. So Mar- Margaret, uh, a colleague of mine, she's also. Um, very inspired by some of the stories there. Um, for myself, some of the stories I do enjoy, but others are, I find a, more of a therapy mm-hmm. for the teller rather than um, a crafted story. So mm. sometimes the, the storyteller will stand up and just tell and blurt out all of these terrible things that happened to them. And for me... I find it quite uncomfortable to right. listen to 
if it's not a crafted story, right. it's more of a therapy. I'm going to tell everyone how terrible my life has been. Um, so it sounds like you're making a distinction between... It, it's, there's nothing wrong with making the audience uncomfortable for a purpose, is there? Not at all. But no. you're, you're talking about you feeling comfortable as a practitioner of the art that it hasn't been crafted, crafted. as carefully. But, crafted. So let's talk about the discomfort for the audience. There's a place for putting the audience on edge, isn't there, and making them feel a little bit uncomfortable as you as you make a point in your story. There is. Um, it's it's just not what the storytelling guild right. is uh, is used to. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> right, so storytellers uh, in the Storytelling Guild are more about uh, making a story or writing a story, them, their own personal story, and crafting it and then learning it to tell to an audience. So what sort of things do you bring to that craft that aren't that you can't get just in written? I mean, you've talked about face-to-face night or either. When you're telling a story, what if I, if I had a story that I wanted to tell and I'd written that short story... What would I change in the telling of that in a storytelling, quote marks, setting? A storyteller uh, will gauge their audience and they will adapt their story according to the audience. Um, So an experience that we had at the Storytelling Guild, we had uh, quite a few elderly ladies, and when I say elderly, I mean in their 90s, Mm -hmm. came along to be in the audience one time, and uh, someone who was... Uh, practicing a story for the moth she wasn't a uh, professional storyteller or an amateur storyteller she had just come along to use us as an audience and she got up and told quite a awful story about how she was sexually abused as a child and uh, her and she went into drugs and then she went into mental health and uh, it was just an awful story and she swore constantly mm. swore um, with these 93, 94-year-old sweet little ladies. What's that saying? Read the room, She right? did not gauge her audience, <laughs> right. and it was so uncomfortable. So for that reason, I'm a bit hesitant <laughs> right. about, the, um, about the, the moth movement. Oh, okay, right. Even though it, it, it sort of highlighted this idea of the storytelling, you, you kind of feel that it, it, it's a, probably a bit like slam poetry opposed to conventional poetry, isn't it? That sort of difference. It's, yeah. it's got a different audience and you kind of have to read the room a bit. Exactly. Read yeah. the room, gauge your audience, see how their response is. So how they're responding to your story and adapt your story. And a storyteller can do that. And I guess that's the case when you, you start telling a story to a very young audience as opposed to a middle grade audience or whatever. You, you're changing the language you use. and, and Yes. And... So, what's your feeling on on props in storytelling? Do you are you a purist who goes, you can't bring any props to this. You've just got to use use your skill, your mad skills to get it done. Or, <laughs> or are you are you okay with props? I love props. So, as as a, a storyteller who specialises in early childhood, I love using props. Not in all of my stories. Um, so, uh, I will only use. The occasional one really good prop rather than using multiples. Um, If I'm using a puppet, I will only use one puppet. But not many of my stories have uh, puppets, more props that you can manipulate. So I have a magic bag, Mm -hmm. changes colours and then comes out and ends up being multicoloured. 
Um, I got that from a, a storyteller, Ruth Atkinson. Wonderful prop, and I've had it for many years until I used it so much it developed holes and I had to buy a new one. Um, uh, paper folding stories or paper drawing stories. So I like the use of simple props. I've got a, t I've got a story I often tell for... <laughs> Just for fun after dinner, and with, when we have people over, it's, 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 I guess it's me being the performer, but where I make a roast chicken out of a tea towel. Have you seen this one? No. <laughs> I'll show you later. It's, okay. it's, it's if, I'm, if I can say so myself, it's actually quite spectacular. Okay, I look forward to <laughs> hearing uh, and seeing got, if your. If you've got a tea towel, I'll, tea I'll happily. You'll make me a roast it. chicken. Fantastic. Absolutely. I look forward to it. So, if, if somebody wanted to be a <clears throat> wanted to be a storyteller, if, you know, to use that capital S form, what, what are the first steps they'd need to do? So I'm, I'm talking for someone who maybe, oh, they can be an adult or they can be a child or, or, or anyone really, what, what kind of preparation do they need to do? What do they need to keep an eye on as they're preparing for this, um, this debut event? <laughs> first off is finding stories that make you glow. Right. So, um, so that's that's always been when I'm doing training, and I do a lot of training for uh, library staff, early childhood staff, um, teaching them how to tell stories and present and uh, present books as well um, in libraries. Um, so one of the first things I say is make find something that makes you glow. If you don't, if it doesn't make you glow, you're not going to tell it well, and if you don't tell it well, your audience won't enjoy it. Is that because I mean I've written a note here for myself to ask you about. That sort of, I think you have to be prepared to let yourself look a bit silly and not be too worried about what the audience thinks, don't you? And and if I suppose what I'm hearing you say is that if you don't really engage with that story that glows, then you're going to double guess yourself and, and not bring everything to the table, and you're just going to look awkward. Is this is this sort of where we're? Yes, the thing, the thing De definitely. It's a, it doesn't matter if you look silly or not. One of the best stories that I tell. And I always say, now, you're not allowed to take my photo while I'm telling this story because I'm pulling faces. I'm pulling the worst, ugly-looking faces and everyone thinks it's so funny that they take my photo. And I end up with all these photos with me with my mouth all distorted. Here's the children's and, library from Blacktown. My, my eyes bulging out and they're going, oh, this is so funny. Let's take a photo. Oh, it's disgusting. Um, so, yeah, don't be afraid of... of making a fool of yourself because the more you're not making a fool of yourself the people aren't looking at you going ha she's silly they're looking at you saying oh my god look what she's doing to our children look how our children are responding to her that's fantastic do you think australians struggle a little bit with this i mean i know that in america in general speaking very generally of course but americans seem a little bit less self-conscious when some some facilitator goes okay let's stand up and let's all laugh turn to our friend and laugh and all that tell, turn around and tell the person behind you that you think that they're amazing and i've seen people try and do this in australia and it always falls horribly flat <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you think do you think australians you have to approach australian audiences a bit differently well i've only ever told to australian audiences <laughs> i haven't but I, I i definitely know what you're talking about americans are way over the top yeah, so and in the they're... us you'd pr they probably think you were a little bit too restrained right <laughs> yeah, yes uh, mind you i have told in thailand and and that was a different experience but yeah yeah so i, I guess other other cultures do have a different storytelling culture mm. basis so in your experience is there a considerable difference in the audience that you're telling it to in terms of cultural uh, yes, definitely. 
here at Blacktown, we're very multicultural, as you're well aware of. Um, so it's it's really good that we have such a diverse mix yep. of um, in our audience. Telling in Thailand, I had I had to tone down some of my some of my stories because uh, Thais, as as a culture, are, are much more quiet and restrained than what I'm, and I'm very over the top, quite loud and. Uh, singing and dancing and right into it. So, yeah, some of my stories I had to tone down a bit. Some of the sound effects that I would use I had to tone down a bit. But other than that, um, I was in, in an international school anyway. So, At the end of the day, story is story. Is I've noticed this in my own practice that, you know, you can start, if I'm talking to a group of Year 10 students or you, who are, who are it was the last period of a Friday afternoon and they just want to go home and they've got to listen to the writer who's coming to the school. I always lead with a story and, and that's that sort of gets them on. That, that's sort of, it's not rocket science in that regard, is it? Definitely not. Uh, I was thinking about it before and I'm thinking, why? why when I was at school, what engaged me? And it was story. Yeah, right. And I remember that I, I didn't enjoy history as a subject. And I'm thinking, why didn't I enjoy history? Because I didn't have a teacher who was a storyteller. Because history is, it's entirely made up of stories, It's, isn't it's it? all stories. But yeah. when I first started in, in high school and our uh, teacher then was also the commerce teacher, right. was the history teacher. Oh, great. So you can imagine <laughs> the, the, the commerce mind was teaching the history, so it was all about facts. And economics. And this is the year that it happened and this is the year and then, and then this is what happened. It was boring as hell. Mm -hmm. And then the next year we got a teacher who was a storyteller. And it all of a sudden just lit me up. Of course I understand, I can relate to, I can understand what happened and it just totally engaged yeah, me. Yeah, I feel very similar. I mean, I, I didn't study history at school for that reason. I thought it was going to be all boring. And mm. so, and now I just adore history. I think I, I love my, my non-fiction because you read these stories and you go, that's nuts, I could never make that up. That's just bizarre. That, Fantastic, that kind of yeah. I want to get on to something that um, <clears throat> is very close to your heart, mm -hmm. and that is um, you, you applied for some, some funding a while ago to go to the UK and, and look into a special form of storytelling. Can mm -hmm. you tell us what, what that is? Sure. So um, because I specialise in uh, children's early childhood stories, and I will often use um, sound effects and actions and props in my stories. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was at the Sydney International Storytelling Conference, which is a biannual uh, storytelling conference that held by the uh, New South Wales Storytelling Guild. And I did a workshop with a lady called Cassandra Y. And she's a UK storyteller who specialises in uh, storytelling for people with uh, multiple profound disabilities. Mm. Um, and when I did that workshop, a light bulb went on. Of course, I can totally Was relate. Was it a prop light bulb? <laughs> <laughs> what, <laughs> what, I, what, I, what I do, and I can adapt what I do with my props and my puppets and things um, to storytelling for people with multiple and profound disabilities. It's lovely, isn't it, when you have a moment and you go, I've oh, just seen a completely new way to do something that oh, I love. I was just so inspired. And then uh, I investigated into it more and there's an organisation called Bag Books in the UK and uh, they're the only uh, company in the world that make these 
special storytelling bag bag books. So they're stories that are done with props. Right. And they're done so one word, sorry, one sentence or two sentences will then result in a tactile um, experience. Right. So what's, what, what sort of things will they find in that bag? When they... So in the bag there'll be things like um, a spray bottle of water, mm -hmm. bells, um, uh, feathers, um, uh, squeegee balls that make sounds. So... Uh, doorknobs, so they'll put a doorknob on a ball and then they'll knock at the door. Mm -hmm. There's another one that they tell which has actually got a, a wig, which is a bald patch and then hair down the bottom. And that's and then they tell a story about going to get a haircut. So they some of them are enjoyable stories and some of them are life experience stories that are told with a very small group of people with multiple and profound disabilities. Um, they help them understand the world. When you're telling stories to, a, let's say, a group of five-year-olds, you can very quickly see whether you, your story is landing or not. You can see yes. you know, if they're wandering off, checking out the non-fiction section while you're talking, you know that you've lost them. Right? How do you know with people with these profound disabilities you're talking about, how do you know that they're engaging with... When the, when the cues are a little bit different, how do you know they How do you assess how well it's working? That's what excites me about about uh, this project, and I, I actually am going to go there. I'm going. I was going this June, but because of COVID, I've had had to put it off for a year. But I am going to England next year to go and learn. So there is three places I'm going: Pamis, which is um, promoting a more inclusive society and bag books and spending time with Cassandra Wise so that I can actually learn this. But from what I've, from what I've uh, gauged from everything that's online and the videos that are on the bag books um, and what I did with the workshop with Cassandra, even the slightest smile or the slightest... Sometimes, a lot of the time these um, uh, people are non-verbal. Yep. So um, the smile that, that, that they get from from the feeling the tactile things or listening to or sometimes it's smell as well mm -hmm. or it could even be taste they might give them a, a, an eyedropper and give them a taste of cider or right. something apple cider or something so um after having checked for allergies, appropriate allergies, allergies yes. of course yes so um the slightest uh change in their reaction is massive Right. It's just that you wouldn't know it unless you were watching for it. And I guess the the people who are there with them, their um, their support people, they will tell you afterwards. They will that, tell you, oh, oh he, he totally yeah, loved that. That yeah, was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Or sometimes, uh, even if they're non-verbal, they all make a uh, sound. Well, he doesn't normally do that. So right. They would. They will tell you. Yeah. So do they ever find people having a not such a good reaction people are triggered in certain ways sometimes is, is that that's inherent really in the whole storytelling thing isn't it? you can't know what every every member of your audience regardless of whether you're talking about people with profound disability or just people in the general community you can't ever know you, you can accidentally knock people over emotionally can't you sure sure in that case then you need to have the carers with them right so that the carer will say he's not enjoying this i'm taking him away and I've experienced it in the library here mm. when I've I've had a, an audience of a hundred, and I've been really noisy and excited, and I've I've had a little boy rush over and give me a hug and say I've got to go, I've got to go, 
Yeah. Darling, you don't want to listen to... No, 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 I've got to go. I found out later that he, he was on the spectrum. Yeah. And it was he was really enjoying it, but it was too exciting too, too loud, and it was yeah. too overwhelming and he had to leave. So well, it's good that he, he which, understood what his escape plan was from yeah. that over, over stimulation. Yeah. yeah. He came back to me later and saw me in the library and gave me a hug when, when there was no one here mm -hmm. and said that he enjoyed the story, but, but it was, it just was a bit just too loud. overwhelming for yeah, him. Yeah. yeah. We're going to wrap up in a sec. This is I've really enjoyed our chat. This has been a lot of fun. I hope it's been fun for you. <laughs> um, I've written a big capital D word here, didacticism. Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of the stories that I was getting when I was, the, the church stories I was talking about earlier, there was a big moral at the end. Like, yes. And the, the reason we're telling you this story, children, is because yeah. you go, oh, I'm not stupid. I, I think I got that. Yeah. What's your approach to that? You, you, yeah, I thought you might say that. Yeah. <laughs> we, this isn't television, but I can tell Alyssa that Leah's just made a face of horror. <laughs> um, I I love a lot of most of my stories are traditional folk tales, um, uh, and I really like the uh, the morals that you get from them. But I never ever, ever at the end of the story go, right, so now you all understand that the reason that this happened and this happened, or now you all know that that's how you should act. I never, never, never do that. Uh, I know that the kids are getting it from the story. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the story of the, the boy who cried wolf doesn't literally mean that you get eaten by wolves if you tell lies. <laughs> but I, think, I think kids probably understand. I hope so. I hope kids get that. <laughs> That might explain why they run screaming from that story. But anyway, yes. we kind of got off a, a thread that we started on. And mm -hmm. I, 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 we should probably tidy that up. That was, if you wanted to be a storyteller, you said find a story that glows oh, yeah. or makes you glow. What other steps would someone take if they wanted to pursue this as a as an art form? Because it is the same thing. You know, you've got songwriting, you've got poetry, you've got written word, you've got photography, you've got art. You've got yeah. storytelling as its own distinct, skilled art form. Mm. So if someone wants to dip into that, what else can they do? They find a story that and works for them. Yep. What's next? Uh, so find stories that make them glow. Um, often, I when I'm t when I'm teaching storytelling, I will I will teach people. I will use um, felt board stories, yeah. and the reason is so that they understand the sequencing of the story. Right. It will help them to remember what's coming next. Um, another another good way of doing it when I'm teaching children is actually to use storyboards. Yeah. So as you're learning the story, um, just jot down or, or draw down in panels uh, what's happening next in the story. To remember the sequencing so that you don't forget something or then it can go back. So introducing the characters, um, then the plot, what's the start of the story, what's going to happen, the problem, um, the problem escalating, um, the resolution, and then the, the and we all lived happily ever after. But you may not get the right. So, you might not get that right the first time, might you? I mean, no, no. It's and it's just a matter of practicing. Often, when I'm learning a story myself, I'll be driving along, and people will think that I'm singing along to the radio, but I'm not. I'm actually telling myself a story. So, uh, just learning it and telling it over and over again, finding someone who will listen to it. Well, that was my next question. I mean. I know you've had that awful experience with a person who came and, and terrified the 90-year-olds with <laughs> stories of sexual assault, but what resources are out there for people who might want to try telling stories? Does the Storytelling Guild have a have sort of open days where people can come along and try it? Or? We do. We have the Sydney International Storytelling Conference, which is a three-day 
conference of uh, it's amazing experience. Uh, storytellers from all over Australia, all the um, states and territories of Australia, uh, as well as um, New Zealand, UK, um, Singapore, Malaysia, America. It's an amazing experience. Um, the I bet it's got the single highest per capita number of jester hats in the world on that weekend, right? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm <laughs> <was> wrong. <laughs> Probably. Uh, there's also, with the Storytelling Guild, so they have um, a story circles. We also have um, storytelling workshops, a few each each year. At the moment, with COVID, it's really difficult. Everything's up in the air. Yeah. But we are having uh, story circles actually online. Right. Uh, then there's if if anyone's interested in the storytelling guild, they can contact the guild and then get onto the newsletter and they will send out things. There are things still happening online at the moment, but there are story circles where you can go and you can get feedback from. Yeah. You can tell a story. You can say, "I'm I'm a beginner. I've never told a story before. I'd like an audience and I'd like some feedback." Yeah. And the the tellers who are there, some of them will be novice storytellers and some of them will be accredited storytellers and if you ask for feedback you can get or suggestions. How, how do you find the story circles? What's Is it through the Guild? Through the Guild, right. yep. Is there a website for the Guild? That you yes there with? is, so it's storytellersnewsouthwales.org.au Okay and we'll, we'll put that link in the description of the podcast as well. Mm -hmm. Anything else that you need to know if you're going to be a storyteller? I just, suppose it's just keeping your eyes open for good stories, right? Just, just look for good stories. Um, love what you do. Uh, be inspired by your audience. Make sure you're engaged with your audience. Learn to read your audience mm. um, and adapt your story for for different age groups or d different um, listening abilities. I suppose if it goes horribly pear-shaped for whatever reason, don't assume that it's because you're a terrible storyteller. It might have been a number of factors that let it to be not such a great session and sort of dust yourself off and keep trying, I suppose. Try it again. And yeah. when somebody comes up to you after the session and goes, you might have read the room wrongly, there's 90-year-old ladies in this room and you've just told a horribly <laughs> <laughs> traumatic story. story, maybe about. that wasn't your audience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else you wanted to share with us before we wrap up? Um, I'm sure I'll think of something, think up, of something uh, later on once that we've finished. Right. Look, Lee, Lee Castledine, thank you so much for talking to us. We really... Do appreciate it, and uh, once everything gets back up on its feet again in this crazy world that we're living in, I'm looking forward to seeing more stories going around, and um, you'll be at the helm, but everyone else will be doing it as well. So. Yeah, I can't wait to get my, my kids back here yeah, again. I'm finding it really difficult at the moment because I'm doing story time online. Right. And give me an audience of 100 and I'm in my element. Give me a camera and I absolutely hate it. So. Well, we went halfway. I've got a microphone. Yeah, the microphone's no... not too good either. But uh, oh, you've yeah. done well. Okay, thanks so much, Lee. Really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you.